Quick throw left side. Has the first down and more up the sideline. 40, 30, 20, 10, 5. Touchdown, Houston. There is no offseason for your Houston Texans. Game day is every day. Now, it's Texans All Access. Oh, yes, it is, ladies and gentlemen. Hello, Texans. Welcome to the program. Mark Vandermeer with you with John Harris. And since it's Thursday night, and we do this on Thursday nights very often, in fact, always, in fact, I don't know if we've missed too many nights at all in the last few years, but it's John McClain from the Houston Chronicle, the General. And, General, how are you doing tonight, my friend? I'm doing great, guys. How are you? Uh, we're doing well, and it's six weeks till camp, so uh, we're counting down, John. I mean, it's uh, <laughs> going to happen before you know it. And when you get into the it's single-digit weeks kind of situation, I think we all sort of feel the heat, the summer heat and the heat of the football season coming up here. It's Father's Day on Sunday, so let's start here. I know you did a piece with David Cully about his dad who recently passed away, and I I usually wouldn't begin in this particular spot, but we had Cully on earlier in the week and it was a great visit with him. I know you had a lengthy visit with him talking about his father and Father's Day and all the meaning. We did a great episode of Building the Texans when we went to his hometown of Sparta, Tennessee, and talked about his history there, growing up there. Uh, what did you make of your conversation, and what can the fans look forward to about your piece? I wrote about an 80-inch story, and that's a long story about Cully and his dad, Ulysses Grant Cully Sr., and what he meant to the community in Sparta and Middle Tennessee. And, uh, you know, I, I was, uh, Sparta's a town of about 5,000. And according to the last consensus, it's about a little over, about 91% white. So I just assumed David would have had to deal with some racism. And I asked him what his dad told him about racism that would, that helped him. And he said, I didn't know I was black till I played quarterback at Vanderbilt in the SEC in 1972. And he said, I know that had to do with my dad and athletics, but he said it wasn't an issue. And that's one of the reasons he loves to go back home to Sparta because they're treated so well. So his dad was a remarkable man. It's an incredible story. You guys know it. I hope the people that read the Chronicle, it'll be in Sunday's Chronicle. It'll be on our sports website, Texas sports nation in the morning and also have reprinted for like the let's see 16th year the column i did on my dad when he died in 2007 chronicle reruns it online uh right before father's day every year so that'll be out i never get tired of reading it or have people tell me that they've read it again i have some people that say they read it every year and it still brings the truth to their eyes so those are two things and you know, people, I always tell people, if you have your mom and your dad, make sure you cherish them because at some point you're not and you're going to regret it, but you're going to be left with a lot of great memories. You know, as David Cully is, every time he goes home, see his five brothers and sisters and, and all their kid and nephews, nieces, aunts and uncles, he goes by Ulysses, Grant, Cully, baseball field at white county high school and uh, his dad was an institution there who made an impact on many young old black white uh, he was just a remarkable man traveling around to sporting events with his best friend tenderfoot as david said they were like batman and robin 
<laughs> General, I can only imagine what that was like for for Coach Cully to tell his dad, I'm the new head coach of the Houston Texans. That must have been a pretty amazing moment. I hope he shared that with you. And we know this should be a pretty long story because we had to wait an extra half hour to interview David Cully because uh, there was a certain <laughs> uh, chronicle legend who had sunk his talents into Coach Cully. But along those lines, General, you've been around every single head coach – in the in Houston pro football history, minus a couple at the beginning, but you've been around them all. You've seen some good ones. You've seen ones that have struggled. What do you think, given your extensive knowledge of the head coaching position in the city of Houston, what's the most important thing or things that the football coach in the city of Houston to be successful has got to have or he's got to be? Well, first of all, besides talent, obviously, and you got to have good coaches working with you and good people, and you've all got to be on the same page. Can't have people pulling in the opposite direction. I remember Bill O'Brien told me a, a first-time head coach's staff is usually his worst because you, as an assistant coach, have made promises to your friends the whichever one of you is going to get the head coaching job first, they're going to hire you. So you do that. And one thing I learned a long time ago, if you don't figure that out quick and start to make changes in the second year, you're doomed. And Bill O'Brien did that. And of course, then they went on to make win four or five AOC South titles. So David Culley's got his staff, but I don't see that he hired a lot of his friends. They kept three coaches from the previous stiff and I know Nick Serio had a lot to do with the coaches as well but uh, once they have them in place for what they're about to go through you know people think they're going to be the worst team in the league underdogs in every game right now so David's attitude which is positive which is upbeat and he said he learned a lot of that from his dad and uh, and he says that's what he tries to have trickle down to his players. I would think his attitude and how he handles the rebuilding and what he's like when they lose, but being honest with your players, even when you have to tell them what they don't want to hear, you know, don't be a yes man to anybody. Be honest. And in this story, and I'm sorry I kept him too long, but he was just <laughs> has so, so many great stories. I think I interviewed him for about 40 minutes and, um, and so I think you can't go wrong when you're honest. And I think he will be. It just, and I hope he succeeds. David Cully, I was told by people that have known him for every organization he's been, is a good man. He's fair. He can be tough. He can be demanding. He handled T.O. when he was in Philadelphia. He handled uh, Tyreek uh, Hill when he was in uh, uh, Kansas City. But they all speak so highly of him as a man, as a person, about how he treats people. And I would imagine players will respect that. But what will make him the best head coach is to get a franchise quarterback, and that's a good way to start. Well, it was funny because uh, somebody was telling me the other day that somebody was, was ripping him a little bit, and I thought uh, – and if, at first I got kind of uh, – for lack of a better word, defensive, because I'm thinking, hey, let the guy coach a game first. And then I thought, you know, what head coach here hasn't been ripped, John? I mean, Bill O'Brien, Gary Kubiak, Dom Capers, they all took their share of criticism. And I was watching uh, NFL Network today. I just had it on in the office, as I usually do. And I'm, 
they talked about Oilers 93, and I was thinking about some of the Oilers coaches, and I just thought, hey, ripping NFL coaches is kind of a pastime of the fan base and the media base, and I think it puts a lot of pressure, obviously, no matter who you are, uh, but in this situation, other coordinators, and so I wanted to get your take here. From where we sit right now, what you've been able to ingest so far, where you think it's going on both sides of the ball with Lovey Smith and with Tim Kelly coaching the offense in his third season as coordinator, second season calling the plays, and first with this Cully regime and Nick Casario as general manager. Even though David Cully's 65 and has been in the NFL 27 years, it's his first head coaching job. All first-time head coaches need somebody they can lean on, and I thought hiring Lovey Smith was terrific. Lovey's been a head coach in the NFL and twice he's been the head coach of college football, and he doesn't have a big ego. He and Cully are a lot alike, and I thought bringing him in was good. You know, he's changed the system. The defense was so bad, they needed to make changes. Nick Serio's brought in 50 new players, 42 veterans, and I think that um, – Change is good. You know, nobody likes to use the R word rebuild, but that's exactly what it is. I don't think they're going to be, they may end up with the worst record. They've done that two other times. And to me, if you're going to be bad, be all the way bad, get that top pick. I think people would be understanding of that. And then hopefully there'll be a quarterback worth taking and not way, not like it was in 06 and 14 when there was not. And they end up taking two defensive ends and Mario Williams and Savion Clowney. But I think having so many veterans, you know, we're not going to know a lot about these veterans. People say when they put on pads, they still don't go all out, and knock people on their jock, you know, but when they start playing those preseason games, I never thought I would say this, that I wish there were another preseason game. But when you have so many new players and 42 of them are veterans, I'd like to see more of them as they jockey for roster spots and starting positions. And Tim Kelly, of course, he, he, they, uh, they had fewest runs in team history, second fewest rushing yards in team history, averaging 31 in rushing, tied their worst standing. But that was because Deshaun Watson was playing so great, you know, and you should have thrown the ball. But one thing I'm sure of, and I bet you guys agree, when you look at where Cully came from, Baltimore, number one in rushing last two years. Buffalo, I think they were fifth and seventh or both top 10 years he was there. They're going to run the ball. They got a lot of backs. They're going to need a lot of backs. They need starts up front. As James Campen told us, those offensive line, linemen love to fire off the ball and run block. This team is going to be so much more balanced than it was last year. People don't realize when O'Brien was the coach, they ranked as high as fifth in rushing. In 2019 and 20, they were eighth and ninth. So I think we'll see a lot of balance a lot of running, quicker games, and maybe they'll have more success than people expect them to. General, I got an article coming out tomorrow. We're all, we're all married, and there are a lot of you out there that are married, and so you end up getting a to-do list. Sometimes you create it. Sometimes your significant <laughs> other creates it for you. So I put together a to-do list heading into training camp and then coming out of training camp getting ready for September 12th. Minus the uh, story that has loomed large since January that we all know that we're not talking about. But outside of that, what do you think is on the to-do list, the top 
you know, one or two things you know have to be done in training camp that you'd like to see be done during training camp heading into Jacksonville September 12th? Well, I'm just going to go over them quick. You need to find another outside receiver opposite Brandon Cooks. They hope Randall Cobb's healthy and he can play and not miss six games like he did last year. They've got four veteran running backs. I'm guessing they'll keep three. Which ones and who's going to start, how they're going to divvy up the playing time. I think Jordan Akins will be the tight end. Interior linemen, guards. We know Justin Britt will be the center. Who are going to be the guards? Defensive line seems wide open. I mean, it, uh, maybe Shaq Lawson starts, you know, maybe it's Charles Amenehu, Malik Collins. They have so many candidates in the defensive line. That's going to be important. And we know Zach Cunningham will start in the middle at linebacker. And I'm guessing Christian Kirksey will be one of the outside linebackers. And we know Bradley Roby will be one of the starting corners, except for the first game. So who's going to be the other corner? We know Justin Reed will be a safety. I think there there's more stability and safety than any area of the team, but and we know other than special teams because we know who those guys are going to be. But uh, so those are the way I look at it when you're coming out, and we're all going to be watching the progress of Davis Mills. You know, as as I keep saying, and on every show I do on Six Ten, actually every show I do around the country. Davis Mills has to play this season. He has to play, whether it's the last eight games after the bye week or injuries force him in earlier. They have to have an idea. David Culley, Tim Kelly, Pep Hamilton, and Nick Casario, they have to be able to watch him and then go sit down and look at the tape from practice and games and put it together with what Hamilton tells them and Kelly about how he is in the meeting rooms, you know, how – and they find out how he is in the long. Mm. Little drop out there, General. Are you still with us? I'm or still here. Sorry. Out? Okay. I'm still well, here. Let me give you a scenario. Let me give you a scenario, though. You said Davis Mills has to play. What if they're, let's say this, General, after nine games, they're five and four, and remember, seven teams in. I know you need. Uh, you don't need to be reminded of that, but maybe the fans do. You're five and four, and Terod Taylor's playing pretty well. This is just a hypothetical here. What are you doing then? You're not going to make a change there. Wasted the draft choice <laughs> if Davis Mills can play. You know, Terod will be the starting quarterback 22. It's either going to be Mills, who's proven he can first draft choice, because you know there's not anybody position more important than the quarterback who replaces Deshaun Watson and if say Terod Taylor played really well all season and they were eight and seven or something like that and they missed and they missed the uh uh playoffs by one game now I don't think either is going to happen but if they did then you're going to have to take a quarterback at the top of the next draft because you didn't find out anything about Davis Mills General I think I've asked you this a few weeks back but with Julio Jones going to Tennessee, I would imagine we look at Kansas City and think, okay, it's Kansas City still the best team in the AFC. But is it clear-cut that Buffalo is the number two, or would you give Tennessee a shot? Do you think Indy's in that mix? Who's the number? What is the number two team behind Kansas City in the AFC as you'd see it right now? I think Buffalo and Tennessee and not Indy. Indy's got a quarterback who's coming off a terrible year. I was listening to somebody on, I think, 
uh, NFL radio talking about Indy being better than Tennessee. And I'm thinking, okay, Tennessee averaged 31 points a game and added Julio Jones to play opposite A.G. Brown with Derrick Henry. And then, of course, Ryan Tannehill, good offensive line, mediocre defense. That's where they got to make more progress, especially on the pass rush. They got to hope Bud Dupree comes back from that knee injury 100%. But uh, with so many questions that the Colts have, and um, Buffalo's got a great offense, great passing game, a mediocre running game, pretty good defense. But because of those big four in Tennessee, and they already averaged 31 points a game, I'm thinking I'm going to say Titans two, Buffalo close behind at number three behind Kansas City. A lot of people forget about Baltimore, but we'll see what happens. Can't wait to see these games play. General, the protocols that came out yesterday – I know that this is a league-wide thing, but it affects Texans fans because our coverage, everybody's coverage, our coverage, your coverage, it's going to be a whole lot better with the ability to interview players in person if the media member is vaccinated. So your thoughts on what you learned yesterday about how the protocols are going to go down, and it was just for preseason games and training camp only. They have not gone through the regular season yet. Well, I think uh, they will do everything they can to keep us out of the dressing room and hide behind protocols. Hopefully the NFL will open it up because if a player's in there with no vaccinations, why shouldn't media people be in there with two vaccinations? But I think it's more interesting about players. You've got to be a nitwit not to get vaccinated. Number one, tell them, well, if you get vaccinated, you can go hang out and strip joints. And if you don't get vaccinated, you can't. That would maybe get a bunch of them to go get vaccinated. The fact is, if you're oper- if you have to adhere to last year's protocols, you know you can't you can't mingle with your teammates on the road. Can't go out to get your meals served at room service. Be distance. You got to wear masks. You got to get tested. And that's fine if you want to be that selfish or that stupid or that. But what if? into a playoff spot, oops, test positive because somebody you were around. So then you're taken out and you don't play and it could cause it is just asinine to not get vaccinated. General, last year, obviously not being able to even interview players in person, we did much of Zoom stuff. The, the target, Mark and I have talked about this on air and off there about open locker room. How valuable to you in covering the game has the ability to go into the locker room and talk to players on the record, off the record, how valuable is that to you and to people that cover the sport as as you do throughout the league? Or is is that not a, a massive, important piece as we perceive it to be? Well, first of all, I have to write so much, do so many talk shows, tweet, blog, podcast, TV, that I need to talk to as many people as I can. And the more people you can talk to, the better coverage you bring your readers, listeners, and viewers. And there might be in a dressing room I want to ask one player something about what happened in a game. Well, he's not worth bringing out to a news conference for a Zoom call. So the readers, listeners, and viewers miss out on a lot of information if the locker room is closed and we can't 
talk to players. Just like this offseason is ridiculous that we can only talk to a few players and because and, you want to talk to as many as possible, just like you do, because it gives you more coverage, more positive coverage, helps teams sell sponsorships, tickets, club seats, uh, everything that they need to sell because off-seasons most of the time are about positive coverage, especially from the start of free agency on, especially after the draft. And, and then there's a thing nobody listening cares about, your ability to develop relationships with players and being able to talk to them a little bit, ask them about their families, ask them about their alma mater. You know, I love talking to John Weeks about Baylor. Didn't get to do that last year. I missed that part. And uh, so I'm hoping that the NFL, like baseball is doing, uh, decides to let the media go back to the way it's been since the beginning of time. John, just wanted your thoughts on an around-the-league type story. Chicago, the Texans were up there last year, but the Bears flirting with the idea of making a stadium construction bid elsewhere, outside of the city, I guess Arlington Heights. I'm not very familiar with Chicagoland. But your thoughts on that, Soldier Field, hallowed ground, even though they screwed up the rebuild a couple of decades ago. What do you think? Well, first of all, as the mayor pointed out, they're in negotiations for a refurbishment of the stadium. Then all of a sudden, uh, Arlington, which is 30 miles from uh, Soldier Field, uh, has a mayor that wants them to come. Well, they can't come. They're under, they got a lease through 2033. And the, the mayor today said, she wished the Bears were more concerned with beating the Packers than trying to do something that can't be done until 2033. I like John, where does Chicago rank on your list of trips to go around the NFL? Oh, I, you know, I've probably only been there about 10 or 12 times. And it's fun if you want to go to restaurants, you want to party, or the first time you go uh, up in top of the Hancock or Sears Towers and and uh, if I'd gone to Wrigley Field on a trip, that made it even better. But uh, it's not; it wouldn't be in my top ten. Well, General, what did you think, though? Like I kind of bashed on a little bit about the stadium reconstruction they did almost two decades ago. I mean, Soldier Field is really a tremendous place historically, and what they did was stick a new stadium, a space-age-look stadium, inside of the edifice, and it just seems to not work very well visually, and I guess now they want to redo it anyway. They were doing I thought they did a terrible job, and here's an example. The Bears only had to play at the University of Illinois one season. I was in that press box when they lost the playoff game. An announcement came on and told us we had to be out by whatever time it was because they were going to start taking down the press box. And we're all raising hell about it. We're trying to work, and they didn't care. They had a contract. The union did. And people came in there as time was ticking down and told us to get out or they were going to take us down with it. Now, it would have been great if somebody got taken down. We sued the heck out of them. But so everybody rushed like crazy and got out, and you could hear the – you could hear the uh, jackhammers and the trucks that were ready to crush it. So they rushed through. And I know this, uh, of all the stadiums that have been redone, I think it's the worst. And it's too bad because it's one of the most storied uh, places in our country. General, how do you think this Aaron Rodgers thing finishes up? I think Aaron Rodgers will be back with the Packers, just like I thought all along Russell Wilson 
wasn't going anywhere. He's under contract for three years. And is he going to miss like Florio figured up 44 million? Others say it's 30 something million with base salary, roster bonuses, recoup signing bonuses. It's a lot of millions for guys under contract and they're going to play hardball with him. And, and everybody says he said he loves his teammates. He loves the fans and he loves his coaches. Well, I don't know why a guy can't be happy playing football with a GM or a president just because they wouldn't give him the money he wanted on an extension. It won't surprise me at all if Rodgers doesn't come out of this with a new new extension. All right, General, other than your story on David Culley and his late father for the Father's Day edition of the Chronicle on Sunday, what do you have going on in the Chronicle? Well, and they tribute to my dad and have podcasts up there. I'm taking it easy this week and uh, because of the Culley thing took me a long time uh, to write it because I wanted to be to justified how good he was talking and what a great character his dad, Ulysses Grant Cully was. And uh, I, I hope, I know when people read your website and listen to you guys, they hear some great things about David Cully and there's just going to be more. I just can't tell you how much I respect that man. Thank you so much, General. Really appreciate you having uh, having you on, as always. Thank you, guys, and I hope you both have a happy Father's Day. Uh, you have a great weekend, General. And you know what? I think one big problem in my life is I don't have a name like Ulysses. Ulysses, <laughs> if I had a name like that, Johnny, that would really Ulysses be Ulysses right, Vandermeer. <laughs> yes, I mean, that's awesome. it. I should have named my kid Ulysses or one of them. Mm-hmm. All right, let's do this next. More likely to happen. I've got Texan stat stuff. I've got other NFL teams, how are they going to do, and other things that are going to come up with the conversation, I know. It's all happening on Texans Radio. Touchdown! Texans Radio continues in a moment. From preseason to the playoff, Fun Location has Texas-sized accommodations and travel packages to cheer on your Houston Texan. As the official fan travel partner of the Houston Texans, Fun Location brings the Texas hospitality wherever the Texans go. Visit NFLOnLocation.com slash Texans and book today. That's NFLOnLocation.com slash Texans for the best accommodations and fan travel packages to root for your Houston Texans. Back to more Texans Talk on Texans All Access. Let's do it. Mark Vandermeer, John Harris with you. And, Johnny, you ready to play the game that uh, has taken over the world a long time ago, actually? It's called More Likely to Happen. You ready for this? Yes. Let's go. All right. Let's do this. More Likely to Happen. We've got a lot of them. All right. So, sacks for the Houston Texans this year. Sacks for the Texans in 2021. Who leads them? And will it be Witt? Will it be Jacob Martin? Will it be Shaq Lawson or Player X? More likely to get the most sacks for the Houston Texans. I'm going to go out on a crazy limb and say John Grenard. That I'm, I know I'm out on oh, a crazy limb. Oh, I should have put limb. him in the mix. I, I, I just feel like he's a guy just the way he's built. I think he can make that transition down, putting his hand on the ground, and and rush the quarterback. And look, there, there may be times where he, you know, it will stand up and play out on the edge. I mean, it's it that you can, you know, sometimes you can do that when you know it's a pass rush down. You just do what you're more comfortable doing. I'm going out on a crazy limb 
and saying John Grenard. How about uh, on along those lines, Mark? Last year, JJ led the team with five sacks, right? Right. I was doing my Harris 100, the best players that Texas will face in 2021. How many players do you think the Texans will face this year that had more sacks than J.J. did last year, the leader of the Texans? Oh, give me that number. 25. 25. What? I, I was hoping it was going to be lower. 25. <laughs> not, not all 20. I thought you were going to make me feel better. No. The now not all twenty five made my Harris one hundred, but twenty five okay. players ha- that the Texans will face this year had five and a half sacks or more, which leads to one side of it: Texans are facing some pretty good edge rushers this year, and just pass rushers right. in general. The other side of it is holy cow, more dudes have got to get to the quarterback. And I think yes. Jonathan Gerard's second year, I think he's going to take a significant step. I think Charles Amenhu playing the majority, I would think, of his first and second down outside, maybe rushing from the inside, which I think could suit him very well. That, I think, um, will lead to even more production from him. I think bringing in Jordan Jenkins gets production from him. I think Whitney, Lovey Smith talked about him losing weight um, and just getting back to, to where he was in, in 2019. I think there's going to be a significant change in the pass rush such that even if we don't have a guy that has 19 or 20, hopefully they're going to be three, four guys that have got at least six and a half or more um, that we can get to a number where, okay, these guys are getting to the quarterback fairly regularly. I'm going to go with John Grenard, though. I think think 52 is ready to take a step forward, so that's the guy I'm going with as being the one who finishes with the most sacks this year. That'd be nice. Let's get the pressure. You know, like Andre always points out, the pressure is just as good, if not better. You're forcing bad throws, maybe get some turnovers. I mean, last year, didn't get sacks, didn't get turnovers, and not good against the run. That's a bad trifecta right there. I think this year they will be better against the run. That should help you get in more long, down and distance situations defensively and enable you to maybe get after the quarterback better. But again, it remains to be seen. They'll have to put it together. Let's get to the next one here. More likely to happen. All right, more likely to be second on the team in receptions. I think I gave this one to you like two or three months ago, but I'm going to do Ooh. it again. Okay. More likely to be second on the team in receptions. I figure that Cooks is first. Okay. But I'll go Cobb. David Johnson, Jordan Aikens, or Player X, who do you got? Instantly, my mind went to Jordan Aikens. Okay. But I forgot about Randall Cobb. I think Randall Cobb, I'd like to see Randall. Now, I, I want to see Randall you know, have a great second year. But he's, right. obviously nobody's getting younger, but a little bit older, in his 30s, and he's coming off a foot injury. So, a guy you didn't mention who I think could end up being one of those guys is Kiki QT. I don't know yep. if Kiki gets to second, but I could I mean it, through 17 games, could you see Kiki catching three four balls a game? I mean, you're talking at that oh, yeah. point somewhere between 51 and 68, you know, you're talking about 60 catches a year. That's shoot, that's pretty close to being number 2 um in the mix. Now, Kiki's got to stay healthy for 17 games. Um, and then he's got to make sure he's available out on routes and those kind of things. But I think I've said this before about about Tarot. He's a guy that he's not scared to take easy profit first, second down. If you give him the speed out, you give him the snag route, you give him the short stuff, he's going to take it. And that's going to be Jordan Akins. That's going to be Kiki QT. That's going to be Randall Cobb. 
So I wouldn't be surprised to see those guys uh, have a leg up on being number two and, and David Johnson as well. But I think with what they have at the running back position, I think they're going to be able to – the carries and the receptions are going to really spread themselves out amongst three, maybe even four guys. I know General said they're going to have to get the three running backs. I, I don't know. I don't know if they have to get to three. I think if they have four, they're going to find a way to get all four involved. We've seen teams that have, you know, David Culley teams in Baltimore, Buffalo. We've seen Nick Serio teams in New England use three and four running backs and use them all uh, pretty effectively. But I think I would lean Cobb QT, then Aikens for number two. I think it's going to be pretty close. I could see Brandon getting back up in that 75, 80 number for sure, you know, Mm -hmm. averaging four to five. Uh, catches per game I could see that next group I could see 45 to 55 amongst two three guys and I think those three guys are Cobb QT and Akins. I'm gonna give Randall just a little bit of an edge but I do think that Kiki QT cannot be forgotten about this considering the different ways that they can find to get in the football I mean a little push passes he goes in jet motion yeah that's a reception so they, they can have five to seven of those to add to his total. So I think yep. QT's going to be in that mix as well. So I think Cobb and QT are going to be very, very close to one another. Uh, QT will have to be super crisp in the route running. Taylor is going to demand it. Remember, and anybody, go ahead, just Google highlights, folks, of Terod Taylor playing. The ball is out fast. He doesn't yes. hang around in the pocket and wait for things to develop. He's going, as you said, for the first guy with the same jersey who's open, he's going to, he's going to hit him. And that's a good thing. He does not turn the ball over. This is good. But you've got to be able to run the football, so we'll see if that all works together. Johnny, let's keep it going here on More Likely to Happen. That was a good one. More Likely to Happen. All right, let's go teams here. More likely to take a step back in 2021 as a team. The Cleveland Browns, that's the Week 2 opponent, or the Indianapolis Colts. Who's more likely to take a step back in 2021? Yikes, man! I, I'll tell you, you you know, uh, you know how I feel about the Browns. I think the Browns are are loaded, talent wise, and it's in, it's an interesting comparison because it really comes back to the two signal callers. Because when you look at it, outstanding offensive lines for both. The receiver groups are extremely skilled, probably a little bit more in Cleveland than Indianapolis. Um, but the pass catcher groups just across the board are good. Multi-running back threats on both sides. Defensive front, talent as can be. I don't think the Browns have a linebacker like Darius Leonard, so that's maybe a that's maybe a difference. But the secondaries are pretty similar. I think the corners are better in Cleveland. But overall, the secondary is pretty good in, in Indianapolis. They're very similar. But they come back to the question marks at quarterback. And I think the quarterback question mark is lesser with Baker Mayfield than it is with Carson Wentz going to a new team. He's coming off just a completely horrid year. Can he get it going back in the right direction? Because when you start thinking about Carson Wentz, he had more years closer to what he did last year than he did playing at a high MVP level. Baker Mayfield's had two pretty solid years in the NFL and one lousy year in 2019 when the coaching was not at a level uh, across the board um, than it was last year with Kevin Stefanski and uh, and what his offensive scheme was going to bring. I think it's the Colts because I think Carson Wentz goes down 
the tubes in any way, shape, or form, whether he goes down, hurt, injured, whether he just can't find it, he just can't find the strike zone, if you will. I think the Colts will step back from that 10-win team they were last year, the wild-card team they were last year, and they'll be 8-9. and They'll be 7-10 and if they can't get that out of Wentz. I think the Browns, even if they don't get the top notch out of Baker, they're still going to get good enough, and that running game is good enough to fill in the gaps. So I think the team more likely to take a dip would be the Colts. Well, Pittsburgh's always a tough out. Baltimore, hey, it's Baltimore. And the Bengals should be better, and they are in our final one here. More likely to happen. More likely to take a big step forward. Is it the Bengals or the Jacksonville Jaguars? Who's more likely to take a big step forward in 2021? Boy, my gut tells me the Bengals, but part of that is just because I listen to Zach Taylor uh, on the uh, Flying Coach podcast with Peter Schrager and, and Sean McVay and was really impressed just listening to him and how he talked about how he talked about ball. He told a great story about the draft. Remember the, the, the COVID draft of 2020? That's his first draft, and obviously everybody had been at their own house and he had had this whole thing mapped out. He did the architecture and all of it. He had it all mapped out. It was all supposed to be there, ready to go. And then the day of, they're like, oh, we can't deliver any of this to your oh. place. And so that's why that first picky that's just him in this, like, stark, like, naked room, basically, because his uh, – his his equipment people, not his not his his Bengals equipment people, but the people that were going to build out that room, let him down. He was able to get enough done for the next night to make it look somewhat reputable. Uh, but had a good laugh about that. But I just think he's been there. He's been in the NFL for a while. Urban Meyer hasn't been in the, in the NFL, and you got to realize you're coaching a completely different game on, on a number of different levels. It's football. Yep. But it's a different kind of football. You're dealing with grown men. You're dealing with men with kids. You're dealing with just a whole different mindset. You can't just go out and recruit the best player in Ohio and convince him to come play for you because you're the coach at Ohio State. It's not working like that. So with even talent across the board, what's going to separate you as a head coach? And I just don't know that they're all the way there with all the talent. I think the Bengals are uber talented offensively. I think they're crazy yep. talented offensively, and I think they've got some sneaky talent on the defensive side. I think the Bengals have an opportunity to take a step up. Like you said, AFC North's pretty tight. I mean, that's tight. I think mm-hmm. I think if you ask me the question, who's going to take a step back, the Browns and the Steelers, I think the Steelers are taking a step back. I think it's the Bengals that could take a step forward. Interesting. All right, coming up, a little bit of around the league stuff and around the world of entertainment, and that's what this is, right? Entertainment as a legendary sitcom character's actor passed away today. Let's get to it next on Texans Radio. Don't miss a single thing on your favorite team. Follow us on Twitter at Houston Texans. This is Texans Radio. Welcome to Louisiana's largest casino resort. Come to Cachata Casino Resort and play the largest gaming floor in the Lake Charles area with thousands of the newest, most exciting slots, over 65 table games, live poker and off-track betting, plus beautiful hotels, award-winning cuisine, and the number one rated golf course in Louisiana. Experience good old Louisiana hospitality Cachata style at Cachata Casino Resort, Louisiana's best bet. It's like Netflix, but free. 
Go to HoustonTexans.com and click listen for every episode of our Texans radio shows. All right, so Johnny, we didn't talk protocols much yesterday, did we? Did we talk protocols yesterday? No, you and I didn't. I did at the end of the show. I talked about it um, and and what it could mean and how, you know, how different things. I mean, like I said, you're vaccinated, man. You can party like it's 2019. You know, like Prince said. Well, I think Prince said something. Ha- like that. Hang Probably on, like hang on. I don't know. Here's the problem, my friend. Okay, because I'm excited about this, and I hope we're all in tier two, and there's plenty of room. And I know this is a little inside baseball stuff for you, just to use that expression, but not for you, for the listener. But look, we go, we all get on the charter. Great, if we're all in tier two, that's wonderful. We all travel, we do our job the way we've always done it. It's going to be fantastic. However. You test every two weeks if you've been fully vaccinated. I have. Yes. But yes. you can still test positive, and now you're on the sideline. And that bothers the you-know-what out of me because, look, you're just there living your innocent life, and bang, you test positive, but you've been double-vaxxed, and I've had the thing, right? So I'm a little concerned about that part of it. The other thing is this. I missed that part of it. I didn't, have, I, didn't, I didn't see that part of it. So I just the one part I did te- see Well, you're going to test. Well, yeah, yeah, I know, but I, the one part I saw was if you if you are a high, I guess I saw if you're a close contact, you don't have that right. five day waiting period. Um, if you're a close contact, oh, I guess that means if you're In close fact. contact, you still come up as negative. Yeah. Oh, oh man. Yeah. Oh, well, boy. that's the thing, Johnny. Because look, uh, if if you're gonna test. In other words, I always wonder, why are we testing people who are vaccinated if they're asymptomatic and can you even spread it like that? I guess you can. Uh, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's the policy, okay? That's the policy. If you test positive, you know what they're going to do. Uh, sit over here for a while, right? Whatever that time might be. I imagine a couple of negatives gets you back in the game, so to speak, but yeah. we'll see. Now, at training camp, there will be fans. But the protocols, as they were reported yesterday, call for 20 feet between fans and any Tier 1 member, which would be a player, right? So you're not going to have the autographs and the pictures and everything like that at NFL training camps this year. And what I call the gauntlet, which is where the players walk down the stairs, and anybody who's been to Texas training camp knows what I'm talking about. They walk through that little alleyway area to get into the practice field facility at the Houston Methodist Training Center. Uh, usually they'd stop and sign autographs, and, you know, many of them would, if not most, um, even me. You know, if, now, look, if the players are there, I'm not signing anything because they don't want me. But if there's nobody else, there's they're like, Vandermeer, sign something. Well, that's not going to happen this year yeah, because they want you 20 feet away, and I would imagine in whatever tier we're in, that's the case. So maybe that's a little too esoteric, but I just thought I'd bring that up. And I think overall the news is extremely positive to have fans at training camp, fans at stadiums. We'll be able to cover this team the way it needs to be covered, so it's going to be a lot of fun. Johnny, did you see that the actor, and a lot of people won't know his name, Frank Bonner, passed away, and he's known for playing Herb Tarlick in the series WKRP in Cincinnati. Oh no! Yeah, yeah. Now the reason why this is I didn't significant recognize the radio name at first people, until you said her. And I was like, oh okay. Oh, yeah, man. yeah. He wore the 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 loud jackets, and yeah. he was 
really a caricature of a radio salesperson. And radio salespeople, I don't know if they are humored by this. You know, I was one. I can tell you this. Yeah, it's all in good fun. But come on. Such a caricature. But a good supporting actor in a sitcom, and it got me thinking about other yeah. great supporting actors in sitcoms, and there are way too many to mention here, but uh, he's one of them. And that was a good show back in the day. I don't think it's anybody's favorite show ever, but it had a lot of good moments, and it's a radio thing, so I thought I'd bring it up since this is a radio station we are airing on. Have you gone back and watched it since being in radio? No. No. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, I have. And you know what? They had Lonnie Anderson on the show, and I forget the actress who plays Bailey, but they have their own little Ginger versus Marianne kind uh-huh. of thing going yeah. on. Because uh, everyone's like, Ginger or Marianne, that used to be a big thing, and, you know, for, for whatever your preference is. And uh, Lonnie and Bailey were also sort of the, the, B, the B side to that sort of <laughs> argument, debate, if you will. Yeah. All right. Look, that's all the time we have for today. Uh, I'm looking forward to tomorrow's show. Johnny, uh, I caught up with Tony Banks, former Texas yeah. quarterback. So yep. looking forward to uh, sharing have that, that with the world. Yep, going to have that. Going to also cool. have David Fletcher. We got a, su- a late summer and fall, and uh, early winter, I guess, full of events of Lone Star Sports Entertainment events at NRG Stadium, uh, with, uh, starting with CONCACAF Gold Cup. Then we've got the Battle of the Bands. And then we've got the Texas uh, Texas Tech-Houston kickoff game September 4th. So Fletcher will also be on with me tomorrow to discuss all of that. Well, I'm looking forward to that soccer match because I'm watching all the soccer going on right now, and it's going to be yes. fired up for it. So that's going to be cool to hear from you and Fletch tomorrow. That's going to be it. Thank you, General John McClain, for being on. Thank you, Eddie, for producing. Thank you, Johnny. Have a great night, everyone, and go Texans. This is Texans Radio on Sports Radio 610. The all-new Hyundai Elantra is the only vehicle in its class to offer completely wireless Apple CarPlay, so you can seamlessly connect to all your smartphone apps without a cable. It's technology that's easy to get attached to. Get 0% APR for 60 months, plus zero payments for 90 days on the Elantra, plus $1,000 bonus cash. See your local Hyundai dealer, the official car of the Houston Texans, for well-qualified buyers only. Offers end 7621. Call 469-613-0227 for details. 